Welcome to episode 54 of The Crownsman Show. Today we are joined by Scott Fominoff. He is from CIF Construction and here to highlight their projects in different industries like mining, energy, forestry, and many more. But before we get started, let's give a shout out to our sponsors. First up, we have Lakewood Electric. Lakewood Electric Limited was formed in 1972 with a collective experience of over 110 years in the electrical industry. From that time, the company has expanded its resources and expertise to encompass the full scope of electrical power and control, instrumentation installations and maintenance, as well as project design and turnkey installations in specific industries. You can find out more about Lakewood Electric in episode 51 of The Crownsman Show, where Rick Zemlack, partner at Lakewood Electric, discusses major mining and energy projects. You can also visit them at lakewoodelectric.ca. Next up, we have PowerZone. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. Last but not least, we have Savanaugh Equipment. Savanaugh Equipment supplies new and used mining equipment around the world from placer to underground to open pit. If you need a trommel, ball mill, and even laboratory or electrical equipment, visit their website savanaughequipment.com where you will find more equipment every day. Well, let's get on with episode 54. Here's Jared Downey and Scott Fominoff. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Crownsman Show. I am your host, Jared Downey. We are on episode 54, and today we have Scott Fomanoff. He is from CIF Construction. Hi, Scott. How are you? Pretty good, Jared. How about yourself? Good. Well, welcome to The Crownsman Show. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here. Um, are you on site right now, or most of the time when we've talked, you've been on site somewhere, So, uh, or, or are you, uh, you back in the hometown today? I'm back home. Uh, I've been home for a few days now. Get to spend some time with the little baby and get actually less sleep at home than I do when I'm on the job. <laughs> well, I'm sure your partner is getting even less sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, how? Uh, wh where are you based out of right now? Uh, right now, I'm actually in New Westminster. Um, our job site that I've been at is uh, in Sparwood, British Columbia. So I've been basically two thirds of my time up there and a third of my time down here. I see. What, um, could you just give us that, you know, that little snapshot that I ask everybody to do just, just so the people watching know what the company does um, as sort of that general outlook? Okay, yeah, so uh, CIF is basically, we like to call ourselves a bolts down company. So we'll basically build everything from the bolts down to, uh, for, for building stuff. So we, we would start doing uh, your excavations, um, put utilities in, then we would start uh, doing slab or foundation prep, uh, do all of our own formwork, then detail our own rebar for the concrete foundations, then we would supply and pour and finish all the concrete, um, install your, your embeds, all your bolts, and then from that point on, that's basically the scope of our work. And then you'd have your, your steel companies come in and erect all the steel buildings. So we'd like to say everybody, a down company. 
Everybody keeps um, everybody keeps throwing uh, new terms to me that I, I learn on almost every episode lately. Um, yesterday, someone was on on Mighty Now saying uh, socializing a technology, which is a new term for me, um, which is very fitting for what they were doing. So, is bolts down? Is that sort of an industry term, or is that is that sort of just uh, sort of a thing that you pushed uh, sort of to describe what you do? I would say it's kind of an industry term. We've we've really adapted it the last uh, several years when we started just doing pretty much everything from your steel structure down so everything below grade up to the bolts so bolts down that's kind of the was wording it, that we use was that where cif started um where where was where did it sort of get founded from from its its original services uh cif's original services were concrete so we would uh basically we would form concrete and pour concrete and finish concrete. And uh, that was kind of the niche market that they started in. And there was always, there seemed to be some sort of delay in, in uh, maybe one of the subcontractors being a rebar contractor or a concrete supply contractor or your civil contractor. There was always, we would always run into problems with that. So we started adapting that work into our scopes as well. So we had, um, it started with the rebar. We, we hired our own rebar crews, uh, our own detailers, our, and we ended up getting our own uh, rebar bending machines, shear lines. So we were basically a forming company, a rebar company, and a concrete finishing company. And then, uh, and then we run into some issues on some of our, our isolated sites where we couldn't get concrete delivered when we needed it. So we'd be yeah. on standby for three on standby for several days waiting for concrete. So then we started to get into the supply side of things and uh, purchased a, a couple of batch plants, set those up. And then we basically controlled our supply, our installation. And, uh, and it was really just one really well-contained unit. So we can, do everything from the supply and installation for the concrete now and then same sort of thing with uh with the earthwork stuff we did run into some issues with that sometimes you come to site everything's not done so we've got uh we started doing a bunch of earthworks as well just to make sure that gap was closed too I'm always curious, um, a company like like yours, because you're you're offering these streams that a lot of companies um, are doing separately. So how often, I mean, not an exact percentage, but how often is the job site that you're going on to um, that you're just doing one stream um, or are you, or do most jobs you're doing now, are they, are they a full package of everything you're offering? Or are you still doing the individual contracts um, delivery? Yeah, we still do the individual stuff. We try to, we obviously we want to try and do it all. We, we, personally think that there's a huge advantage for just giving the whole scope to to one company i i i know there's different uh, trains of thought out there where it's easier to manage individual trades but uh from our perspective we think that if we are just we're like a mini general on some of these projects where we're in control of one one scope which is encompassing many different trades and we think it's a lot easier for uh, for owners and uh, and construction managers to deal with just one 
head of the snake, so to be, so to say. Yeah. <laughs> and several different ones. Is there is there sort of projects recently that um, that sort of stand out to you that you've uh, as an example of somewhere where you've done the whole package uh, of something? Um, you know, is there any sort of major projects you're on right now that you that kind of come to mind? There's a few where we've just about done everything. I we haven't done everything that we do on one project yet, so we've mm-hmm. got uh, we're doing it a selenium treatment plant up at uh, for, for tech in the Elk Valley. And so we did all the concrete formwork, rebar supply and the civil work around the concrete and a very small amount of utility work, some pipe work and stuff. Um, and then also in the same, same region, we were, we're doing, uh, we actually got a large, it's a fairly large civil project for, this new manufacturing plant that Komatsu is doing in Sparwood. And we did all the earthworks. So there's about 170,000 cubic meters of material that had to be removed from site. Uh, a new yard had to be built. All the excavations for the building were done. We installed all, we, sorry, we installed all the, uh, the water mains, sanitary mains, storm main, um, large water or stormwater retention tanks, um, all the asphalt prep work obviously we sub out the asphalt and then uh we supplied all the concrete for the cast or the continuous flight augering piles and all the structural concrete for for the great beams foundations file caps you name it the only thing we didn't do on that project was forming and placing rebar but we right. did all of the other scopes on that one so you know um i've uh I've never been on a, pro- a project, you know, like like for a tech and a Komatsu and that, um, you know, been a small part of having equipment, you know, delivered to there and stuff like that, but not not actually on site. Um, what is the main what is the main priority uh, when you're working with a company, these companies of that size and scale? I mean, most of these are well, the both you just mentioned, they're both public companies. What's sort of their, what's their main priority when you come in, especially when you've got um, a fairly wide scope that you're, that you're servicing in their, in their facility? Um, what are their sort of main priorities um, that you have to hit? You know, is it, you know, safety, um, on schedule, things like that? Um, well, I believe the main priority is, it's hard to say what the main one is. Those are all very high on their priority list. So yeah. safety is obviously a huge factor. Um, you, some of the safety requirements for, for mines are, are are pretty pretty significant. Some of the commercial stuff, it's a little bit more relaxed. But I mean, the way that CIF is run is we're set up for the mining industry. So all of our standards... Mm all our safety standards are up to par with that. So uh, that's obviously a huge one. If, if you violate any safety safety rules, you're basically gone from those job sites, which is, uh, it's, it's the way that we have to work and all of our guys abide by those rules. And if not, then they have to find somewhere else to go. So right. that's <laughs> the way it is. But I think to answer your question, um, they want they want to know that the companies that they're hiring are capable of obviously meeting all the safety standards 
but at the main the, the main thing is probably be able to manage these larger scopes so if it's a smaller trade like a trade contractor um, it's a little easier to manage their scope and then somebody else in the higher organization the project construction manager project manager for for the bigger guys they would have to manage those sub trades whereas if we're doing those large scopes we are managing our own sub trades which uh, takes a little bit of the burden off of them but we need to prove that we can do that and i think uh, probably the past 15 years or so, we we have proved that we can do that quite well, and it's been a, I, I think it's been a huge benefit for some of the projects that we've worked on. Are you providing a weekly report, a monthly report, daily? I mean, how how do you communicate with them? Um, do they send out someone on site that that inspects the work, and how often does that happen? And I'm talking about on these again, these you know, Komatsu's and Tech, these these major projects. Yep, yep. Again, it's. It, some of them are a little bit different, but uh, generally we're always doing our own daily reports and, and often we submit those to to uh, the clients, like for, for, for your larger guys, yeah, they want them every day. They want to know your, your health and safety, environmental st- statistics. They want to know what work was done, nine hours spent, uh, upcoming tasks for the next day. Um, just basic stuff like that. That's your dailies. Weeklies are somewhat of a summary of that with uh, cost forecasts and uh, and work completed, earned value kind of stuff. Uh, monthlies, same sort of thing, a little bit broader overview, but more details on the financial side of things. Um, but yeah, every every month, every week, every day, there's a, there's a report that has to go out. What are you are you uh... Uh, are you involved in the actual? Um, and because I want to, I want to transition here into a moment into some of these industries that you serve, um, and so and kind of highlight them. So before, to do that, obviously there's this bidding process. Are you are you personally involved in the actual process of putting together these bids for these jobs? Um, well, I guess before I ask my next question on that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've only been working in this well for CIF in official capacity for the last two years. So, but over that time I have been involved in, in, in quite a few, few tenders that we've sent out and we've, we've won the projects and, and then from then I've basically been involved the entire time. Yeah. I, I was just curious because like we had, um, you, you know, you know, you know, Lakewood electric, um, I would, I'm always curious on these, these projects does, the um when you're doing the bid are you given a set of drawings and outline like i used to work in uh exterior construction i mean we were on the major project we were given a blueprint it was all laid out and we had little to no input into what the layout is we just had to show that we could deliver is it a similar thing to what you're doing or is there an input of um you know this we can do it this way but you know the slope of the the grade and you know all these things that all these details that they have are you following that or is there is there input into it um, on these projects uh, quick answer both um, so sometimes it makes it easier for us just to look at the drawings and price it to the drawings and then what we'll often do is basically we do value added uh, 
proposal where we can say uh, you're going to save a, a pile of money if you do it this way or if you maybe change your pipe elevations, raise them up a meter and a half and, and surround them with cellular concrete or insulation or something like that because the groundwater might be quite high and dewatering costs are going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Simple things like that. Um, and then the same sort of thing with concrete, like maybe instead of having a really intricate formwork, just spend a little bit more money on concrete and just do a big bulk thing because that's actually ends up being cheaper in the long run than the labor and nine hours that you spend doing some of this work. So little, little proposals like that. Um, but generally we, we would uh, bid, bid to the drawings, the specs, and then, and then just come up with these value added proposals afterwards. Right. Yeah. So one of the one of the tricky things with doing you know featuring a company like CIF is that you serve multiple industries. So I never want to cut one out um, that you obviously want to reach into, um, but you know obviously there's a little bit of a time constraint too. So I want to highlight you know and please please mention any you know industries that that I'm missing, um, but I want to highlight a couple: um, forestry, energy. Mining. Um, I think there's a plant that you worked out uh, in Manitoba. I think you mentioned before. Um, could you could you talk a little bit about the CIF work in the forestry sector? Sure. So uh, that's the forestry sector is where CIF obviously kind of started because being based mm -hmm. out of Prince George, forestry was huge in Prince George in the, in the 80s and 90s, and then it kind of just tailed off a little bit. So more my, more uh, sawmills are getting more. Uh, the upgrades that we're seeing there aren't so much in the concrete and civil stuff. Mm. It's more the the electrical and right. technology side of things. Uh, but we did basically work at every Prince every sawmill and uh, in in Prince George and the surrounding areas like Quinell, Williams Lake, Bantry, McBride, and then uh, as far out. Saskatchewan, Manitoba. And then out in Manitoba, the project that we were working on was a uh, medium density fiber board plant. So we did all the, the concrete slabs out there, foundations. Uh, half the work was in the winter, so there's lots of heating and hoarding involved. And then on the, uh, and then on the energy side, um, is there, uh, you've done You've done some interesting projects, actually, on the energy side, um, and I, I want to talk about a couple of them. Can you uh, can you have what? Do you have a couple that you were going to bring? I think there's some wind turbines, some biomass plants, some actually very interesting stuff. Yeah. So um, out in Prince Rupert, we we did the uh, loadout facility for Pinnacle Resources, Pinnacle Renewable. Um, it's a it's a large pellet loadout facility so we basically we did all the uh the ground prep and and concrete and rebar out there for that project so there's four large silos that got built um and it was uh it was a pretty interesting project being tidal because normally we're, we're used to working in the interior so that was a bit of a change for us having to deal with the uh the high water tables that continuously change and stuff so but, uh, yeah, that was, that was a good project, quite scenic. 
And yeah, I've been up there. It's actually it's actually a very beautiful place. Um, plug for them, people. I keep plugging these all these places, um, especially especially when I get a chance to plug anything in, in Canada. Um, people probably think I'm getting paid to do it, <laughs> but I'm not. I assure you. Um, then uh, you did some wind turbine work too, um, which is funny. We we haven't had anybody featured on the wind turbine section. So when I saw that this, I was like, well, we have to at least talk about it because we haven't got a guest on that builds them. And um, so what what would your involvement be um, in the wind turbine uh, sector? Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, we did some wind turbines uh, out in Dawson Creek several years ago. So big wind turbine farm at Alta Gas owned that. And we did... The same scope that we do for most of our projects. We bend and detailed our own rebar, supplied all our formwork, poured all the concrete uh, for I think it was 38 wind turbine bases. Yeah. All the formwork that we that we used was all custom built for for those. Basically, they were just for that project, and then they were discarded. Mm. Or, well, they weren't discarded; they were saved for another use. But I mean, those <laughs> don't come up that often, so. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say we're gonna hear about that. If you said you discarded them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. The um, we talked about the mining and everything at the beginning, so I, I want to jump into another important um, topic. Um, very important, actually. We've we've had a couple um, indigenous leaders come on this show. Um, you know, several in support of. Um, you know, uh, Chief Dan George um, for the LNG, Keith Matthews, his uh, his band has been very instrumental in the pipelines. They service the pipelines. Um, and then um, a, a close friend of mine, Frank Antoine, um, he's actually in the tourist tourism industry. So it was a really good discussion about trying to find that balance between, I mean, obviously he wants to preserve the environment because he's bringing people to see it. Um, but in understanding that his family members are working out at mines like tech and so on. So we've had some really interesting discussions about um, indigenous relationships. Uh, Lakewood came on. Um, we've had we've had other organizations come on and talk about it. And and CIF, you you've made active steps to to build the relationships with these First Nations communities that are, are around where you're working. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I guess you have to take a step back and, and, and look at what we're doing. Like we're, we're, we're construction. It's, it's messy. Sometimes we're, we're out there, we're taking natural pristine land and turning it into some sort of industry. So obviously mm -hmm. there's going to be some pushback on that. Um, what we like to do or what, what are what our philosophy is and what we're, what we're really pushing the last probably five, six years is if we're, if we're interested in doing a project, because we need to, we need to do these projects to, to survive. But if we're going to be doing a project in, in anyone's traditional territory, we want to go out there. We want to meet these people. We want to at least get to know them a little bit instead of just having some stranger coming into their backyard and, and doing a bunch of work. But what we really want to do is foster a relationship with them and maybe do some mutual benefit agreement or revenue sharing or hire their, their, their band members to come work for us. We've got apprentices uh, in any of the sub-trades that we have. So we've got carpentry, like iron workers, 
operators, uh, surveys, surveyors. Um, I'm an engineer, so I can teach them quite a, quite a few things about design and stuff as well. Um, so I digressed a little bit there, but no, not at all. Basically, what we want to <laughs> not do, at all. Basically, what we want to do is just make sure that a stranger is not coming in, doing some work on your land, making everyone mad, um, and and just I think that's what what has to happen nowadays. Does that for you though, um, you know, and there's, there's all, I mean, you know, you're, you're representing CIF um, and, and what, it, but what it comes down to is it, we're all, we're all are, we are all are, wow, individuals. And um, does it change your perspective? Um, because, you know, just, you know, you can, you, you can be a part of industry, but not really be a part of the community that is pushing industry. It's it's very possible. I've met people that are like that. They're they're in the industry, but they're actually very in t- out of touch with the people um, that are in it. Which and the First Nations community is a huge part of that. Um, does that does it does it change you um, when you are part of a company that is actively trying? And I'm you know we we don't all get it right all the time. Um, on both sides, it's, that's that's the reality of it. But does it change your perspective when it's an act? There's an active effort from the top down. You said your father started the company, but as a team, that you're trying to build these relationships in the best way you can, not always getting it right, but at least making that effort. Does it does it affect you? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I've been kind of of this mindset for basically since I started as an EIT about twelve. 13 years ago or whatever it was. Mm. But uh, uh, yeah, it makes, it makes a huge difference. And I think our team at CIF has really bought into it. Like everyone's all on board with this. Like we're making, making calls to, to the band offices and trying to get meetings with people and just, just talk to them. Um, if we can, if we can get some kind of agreement with them to, to come work with them or, maybe joint ventures or something then we're we're all for that does um i i want to again i want to i want to take take a little bit step deeper does that when you get how would i say it when you get pushback and i don't know if, if you're not really in that i mean obviously you've got a team that reaches out to people so i don't want to like put you on the spot or anything like that but when you get even a little bit of pushback. Do you think it's better to at least get some pushback and you're doing it almost face-to-face as opposed to, like you said, showing up in their back, their backyard and now you've got a problem? Um, is that an active, um, well, it's obviously an active decision you've made, but um, do you think that that's better uh, right from the beginning, even if it is, even if it does lead to a confrontation, at least it's being dealt with beforehand? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's way better. Just uh, it's just like everything. You you it's like a relationship. You have to air your grievances right right away instead of letting things fester. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, a lot. Sometimes we're we're just introducing ourselves, and we're just it's it's like an icebreaker. You just got to get to know people. A lot of a lot of First Nations communities have really strong relationships with other contractors that do similar work as us. Yeah. And uh, so there's, we're almost coming in there trying to 
not be threatening to any of the contractors, but uh, just introduce ourselves and looking for, for an opportunity to do some work on that land. But yeah, some, sometimes it's just as simple as saying hi. <laughs> it really is. Um, you, you, you mentioned something uh, earlier is you, you said you had a, you had a lot to share um, be, be from your engineering background. Um, and so I want to take a step back because you didn't start, you've, you said you've only been with CIF um, a couple of years and, you know, your father started a company. So obviously there was a gap. So what uh, sort of what path did you take um, at first and then that led you back to come to CIF? Okay. Well, it's kind of funny. I actually, I did start at CIF when I was like 15 years old and I was the boss's son. I was basically hated by everybody that was there. And I got all the worst projects. Like uh, if there was a hole to be dug, I was the guy. If I had to, supposed to be. Had to clean up. Yeah, <laughs> someone had to clean up the, the, everything. Like um, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was a real, it was an awesome job. It was really hard work. I don't think I, I think I was probably bleeding half the time at the end of every day when I was working there for the summers, 16 and 17 years old. And then I realized I don't think I'll be able to do this much longer. <laughs> so <laughs> one day, uh, one day, this guy in a white hard hat came to site, and I was like, "Who's that guy, boss?" And I found out. And, and then I found out he was found out he was the engineer. And I was like, "Okay, that sounds like a that sounds like a pretty good career path." So that's actually kind of one of the reasons I I went back to school after, or I went to school after after high school was over was was an incident like that and then plus some of the other work that i got to do i got to help out with with the survey like i and i enjoyed that stuff so i uh i ended up enlisting at bcit in the civil structural technologist program to just to do that um turned out i i did really well in that and got my diploma in civil structural technology and then i continued on uh getting my degree my bachelor's of engineering at PCIT as well. Um, so landed a job working in a consulting firm down in Vancouver for probably just about 10 years. I worked there. Oh, wow. Would have been, would have been my 10th year when I left. And it was a great, great experience. Uh, got to work on some major projects down in the lower mainland and throughout BC doing uh, design, uh, inspection, contract administration work leading project teams and, and then i got the call to come back they're, they're like when are you coming back and so they tried to get me back for a couple of years but i was having too much fun down doing the consulting stuff so but i finally <laughs> part, part, a couple of years ago part of your negotiation must be i'm not digging any more ditches so if i'm coming <laughs> back <laughs> yeah yeah exactly right. yeah um you know, and again, it's it's always there's this balance. I don't want to dig in too much, but um, you know, we've had we've had a lot of either fathers on the show with sons in the business, sons on the show. I mean, I'm you know anybody who watches the show knows Savannah Equipment. Um, um, you know, Jerry Downey, that's my father. So you know, I've been in the business, worked for him, um, still do some work with them. What is if you were if you were to give advice 
to to a son working with a father like how important do you think it was to go out on your own um and and then and then come back with those tools how, how much of a difference do you think if it made if you had to just stay there you know starting with the ditches then working your way up and doing it that you know um what what, what kind of difference do you think it makes uh for you now it's a really good question um actually the funny thing is part of the the advice that I got was from my dad basically telling me to go somewhere else and work and learn from mm-hmm. other people because, and I was like, well, that makes sense. So one, one person, one group that does one specific thing can only teach you so much stuff. I think uh, the, the more, more exposure you have to different, different types of work, uh, different people, um, Basically, it's just going to make you more of a well-rounded person, uh, more skilled individual when it comes to your your whatever you're trying to do. If if you want to be a if you want to be an operator, go work for several companies. Learn learn from as many different operators as you can. Mm. If you want to be a surveyor, learn from as many surveyors. If you want to be an engineer, learn from as many engineers as you can. And just everyone's got something to offer you. I think that not one person can can teach any one person everything that they know and that person's going to be better off than if they went and worked with 50 different people yeah yeah you get yeah absolutely i i, I say that you know, we talk about even our on our team as you can you can get locked into your own little bubble um and you start to you, you almost start to think that that's the way the world are i mean it just hop on a plane and go to any country and you'll learn really quick how little you know about anything because <laughs> things are so different. Um, and, and industry is the same way. I mean, even one mind to the other, just the way that they operate is going to be vastly different. Um, I find it interesting, you know, obviously, you know, I've, I've never met your father, but, um, you know, just ha- building a company, transitioning out because something else wasn't working and, you know, basically putting food on the table. Um but then also encouraging you to go out. It, it's a certain mindset um, that you have to have to build up a company. Um, you know, and I wanted to, I just, I, we've talked a little bit. You um, Before I wrap up the show, what is your reach, Scott? Um, like anybody watching the show, we've got a U.S. audience and, and that as well. So I just want to make sure anybody watching, where, uh, quickly, what are the industries that you do serve? Is mining, energy, and forestry sector? I mean, anything concrete. You do some civil. And then how far, um, if, how far is your reach, though? Like, wh- where would you send your team? Um, well, honestly, we would send them wherever the work is, to be, a, to be completely frank. Um, okay. Like, we have, gone, we have gone as far east as, as Manitoba. We have gone as far north as uh, the Yukon and the Northwest Territories. Um, as far south, well, we haven't crossed the border yet, but we've worked basically on the border. Um, yeah, so from from the Pacific coastlines like Prince Rupert out to Manitoba, up to the territories and, and down to the border, the whole western and, and central Canada for sure is, okay. is where we're, we're working. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show, Scott. Um, you know, you're... Uh, 
you have a lot of projects on your website. So anybody watching, go go on. I mean, with you just you can't cover it in in this. Even though this is long form format, you still can't cover it. So um, it's uh, your website is just it's cifcon, not construction. Cifcon.com, right? C O N. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Scott. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Jared. Thank you, everybody, for watching. That is episode 54. Um, like I said, go onto their website. Uh, CIF has, they, they post up a lot of their projects. Um, you know, we got in touch with them because of Lakewood and sort of this whole uh, whole network of industries that are, are serving and promoting heavy industry. Um, I mean, we promote it through our word. They're promoting it through actions, building relationships with uh, the indigenous communities. Um, you know, having these big hiring people to do these contracts for these large companies like Tech and Komatsu. And so, so they're, they're the ones that action. We just do the word. So go check them out. Thank you very much, everybody, for watching. Please subscribe. Send us the next guest. Um, we cannot possibly reach out to all the people we should have on the show. So we'll leave it to you to help us find the next one. Thank you very much and see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for watching. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you would like to help support the production of the show, head on over to crownsman.com forward slash donations, where you will find two options, the five buck monthly subscription option and the support heavy industry one-time donation option. Again, crownsman.com forward slash donations. Thank you so much for watching and we will see you on the next episode.